Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Awesome, you look beautiful this morning. Take your seats. Why don't you turn to the neighbour and say, you look good today. Now, if you didn't get the choice of the person looking at you, then you can feel offended and just don't listen to the next half an hour. Be really upset and uh, just go home annoyed. That's a joke. (laughs) That's a joke. It's good to be in church today, isn't it? It's very good to be in church. We're in this series called Healthy Homes. Who wants to live in and build a healthy home? I do. I want to live in and build a healthy home. Now, we all have lived are in a home of some context, whether that is a tent, whether that's in a, in a grand mansion, whatever it may be, we live in homes. There's that, who remembers that whole, um, it's like a little plaque that people have, home is where, yeah. A house doesn't make a home, you make a home. Just like the church isn't a building, The church is people. You are the church, the ecclesia of Christ. And we're going to continue to speak about healthy homes today. And my specific subject this morning as we speak about homes is talking about children. Talking about children, the next generation. And I'm excited to talk in to this today. Now, I understand that there's people here today who have young kids like myself. We have a one, four, and six-year-old. There's people who have grown-up kids. There's people who are grandparents. There are people who maybe don't have kids. And everything in between, and I believe today there's something for everybody here today. If you have young kids, if you're in that stage of raising kids, if you've never had kids, you still have a, a call and mandate on your life to raise the next generation, to train the next generation. Look at what the Apostle Paul said, someone who didn't have any children, in 1 Corinthians 4.15, he says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Now the Apostle Paul, just to put you at ease, he wasn't going around adopting people, uh, you know, bringing people into his family. He was talking about something in the spiritual. He was talking about taking on the position of a father, of a dad, in the spiritual. What do fathers and mothers do? They protect. Good fathers and mothers. They protect. They invest. They impart. They train. And every single one of us in here today, we have a responsibility to the next generation. There are a lot of people in our world who, unfortunately, for whatever reason, come from unhealthy homes. Is that true? It's true. It's sad. I don't think I've ever seen more stuff in the news around kids. It's evil. Unhealthy homes. I've never probably seen more about parents who are so selfish that they completely neglect the needs of their children in the news. We've seen it over the last year or two. It's evil. So what we need is for the people of God to rise up and step into the gap, the spiritual mums and dads. 
spiritual fathers and mothers to help and invest in the generations that go after them. There might be 50-year-olds today here and you need a spiritual mum and dad. I think we all do, to be honest. I've got amazing parents. A lot of you know my parents. They are phenomenal. I've been so blessed to have amazing parents. But I have spiritual parents as well in the faith who will rebuke me when I need rebuking, who will teach me, who will train me, who will help me go to a new level in Jesus. We all need spiritual mums and dads, don't we? And if today you say, Josh, I've not got that, I've not got a natural or I've not got a spiritual, maybe it's time to start asking God to bring somebody into your life. But please remember today that, you know, we've got some people that you might gravitate to in here that, that not everyone can be, a, you know, a, like, you know, where's best, great father in this house. He can't be the dad to everyone in here, can he? But there's lots of fathers and mothers in this place who you can relate to and who can invest in your life. So today, there's something here for everyone. I believe the greatest legacy that we can leave is in the next generation. We have a prayer group that meets every other week on a Tuesday. Well, sorry, the second and fourth week on a Tuesday. And I've said it a few times to them that the spirit of prayer that's in them needs passing on to the following generations. Because we have a group of people and predominantly, um, you know, 50 plus who have a heart of prayer, who have a heart of intercession, who go deep in prayer. And we need that in our next generations. I'll be honest, it's a depth that I don't really see in my generation. It's a depth I don't see there at the moment. And we need that to pass on to the generations. How does that happen? By spiritual mums and dads investing in the next generation. We need to train the generations that come up after us in the way of the Lord. We need to lead them into an experience with the Spirit of God. We need to demonstrate what it means to live in the peace and the joy and the love of Jesus. We need to tell them the stories of what God has done in us and help them have, to have faith that he can do even greater things in them. Jesus said this great fatherly statement. And all great fathers say this statement. I was with David Sherman, and you'll get a couple of bits from that on Tuesday, and we just had an amazing time together. And at the end of our time together, in his, in his driveway, he prayed over me a double blessing of what he had had. This is what great fathers pray. This is what great mum and dads pray. And Jesus said this, even greater works than these you will do. That's Jesus who said that. Jesus who raised the dead. Jesus who opened blind eyes. Jesus who cleansed the leper. He said, even greater things you will do. So what we need to do as spiritual mums and dads, no matter where we are in our lives, we need to champion the next generation to say, look, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to give liberally so that you can be more than I ever was. Because the heart of God is from one generation to the next generation that we will com commend his works to one another and we will get bigger and better and further in him. Even greater works than these you will do. We need to create strong people who have deep-rooted values, who have a love for Jesus, who are secure in who they are, who don't conform to the world but long to please God. Yeah. 
Judges 2.10 should scare us to death as the people of God. It says this. After that whole generation had, had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Joshua, the leader of Israel at this moment, or just before this moment, was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Did some of the greatest exploits for God in the Bible, but he neglected the next generation. We can be so busy doing our thing, doing the great thing, doing the big thing, doing the awesome thing, but if it doesn't get passed to the next generation, then that's not the heart of God. He wants us to continue to grow. He wants us to continue to flourish. I believe that this church will be stronger in 100 years' time than it is today because of what we're going to invest into the next generation. So we see throughout history, we see throughout the Bible that not all great leaders were great parents. King David, he, he wasn't necessarily the best. He had some family issues. Is that fair to say? He had a few family issues. So we need to prioritize the next generation. We can't be so busy serving that we forget to train the next generation. We forget to raise them well. We forget to raise them intentionally because great passing on, great parenting doesn't happen by accident. It's intentional. You don't build a healthy home by accident. It happens on purpose. Just like you don't build a great business by accident, just like you don't create great habits by accident. None of this happens by accident. It happens on purpose, intentionally. Jesus himself, can we all agree that he's the greatest model to follow? His disciples, this one day, they were trying to shoo the children away. Jesus was at rock star status. Everyone wanted to be him. I imagine it like, you know, you see some people were old enough, Paul, to live, you know, I'll get you back now, to, uh, to live in the time of the Beatles. <laughs> uh, Paul enjoyed his 30th birthday at a Beatles concert. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, but you see those photos, don't you, the Beatles, when people were clamouring to get to the Beatles, they were at this rock star status, it was... I imagine Jesus was a bit like this at this time. You see the whole, whole towns gathered towards him and flocked towards him. That's the way I see it anyway. And, and, and he's telling all this important stuff. And these kids, they want to come and see him. They, they want to get around him. They want to be near him. And the disciples shoo, shoo them away. Because, you know, we know that you know, kids, they, they don't want this deep teaching. You know, they don't want, they're not as important as these clever adults and all this sort of stuff. But Jesus knew far better than that. Matthew 19, 14, it says this. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I love this from Jesus. What a model to follow. And remember, these weren't his own kids. But in his busiest moment, in the midst of opportunities Open up for him what the disciples perceived as more important people wanting his time. Jesus created time to spend with children. I imagine him creating time to play, to talk. Because kids, kids what, what do they want to do? They want to play. They want to talk. They want to laugh. 
And imagine Jesus taking them as a great father and just being with them, giving them his undivided time and attention. It can be so easy for us, can't it, to shoo kids away. Even our own kids. Even our own grandkids. Even kids who are around us. It can be easy because, you know, you're in a conversation that, daddy, 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 daddy. We've all been there, yeah? But Jesus takes a moment to give these children his undivided time and attention. I am so challenged by the way Jesus operated here. To give undivided time and undivided attention. And it brings me to my first point that the thing kids want the most from us is our time. Is our time. The world is in this thing of like, I have to give my kids a thousand presents and then they'll love me. I have to give them the best holidays. I have to give them the most extravagant lifestyle. I have to have the best car to impress them. We have to have the best this and that. Nope. Not true. That is not what kids value. That might be what you value. That's not what kids value. The thing they want the most is your time. They want your undivided attention. They want your focus. They want you to engage in the silliness. And that can be hard. You know when you're busy and when life's a bit fast at times? It gets fast, doesn't it? Life gets a bit hard, life gets a bit crazy. It can be hard to switch from pressure and all this sort of stuff to silliness. But kids just want you to be silly with them. They want you to play with them. They want you to be with them. They want you to listen to them. Judah just whispered to me on the front row. He said, Daddy, when I get home, can I show you my David Beckham shot? That's what he's bothered about. Time and attention and focus. I've seen in my own kids that the people they love the most are those who give them the most undivided time. Talking outside of me and Helen, that my kids love my sister so much because she will give them undivided time and attention. Even when we're with friends, even when there's people around, she'll, she'll be the one who's taking them up to the toilet because they want to. She's the, she'll be the one who's off playing up in the bedroom and we're all talking, we're like, where's George? She's with the kids. They love her the most because she gives them undivided time and attention. Let's not disregard our kids. Let's not shoo them off. Let's not disregard them because they're small and because they're immature and all this kind of stuff. If we do, this will not only be to their detriment, but to us. Because kids have a unique way of taking you into peace, of showing you joy, of showing you love and affection in a unique way. As people of God, as parents, as spiritual mum and dads, let us make sure we live the Jesus model. Let's give these kids undivided attention. It's so easy in our world today to be consumed by devices and media. Is that right? by work because work no longer is eight till four or nine till five. Because of my phone, my work is 24 hours. Quite literally, if I allow it, I have emails in my inbox right now that got into my inbox last night at probably 11 o'clock. If I allow it, 
it will spiral out of control. It will consume my whole time. And we've got devices and we've got work and we've got TV and we've got media and we've got social media. We've never been more bombarded. There has never been more of an assault, assault on our time than there is today. And we've become addicted to it. We've become addicted to it. Analyze your own habits. I, um, I've just deleted, I, I do this a lot. I, I go through deleting Instagram and Facebook off my phone. <laughs> it happens a lot. It's like a six-month cycle for me. And the, thing, the reason when I know that I need to delete the app is when I go to it without thinking about it. That's called addiction. Yeah. And a few weeks, well, probably a couple of months ago now, I, went on, I found myself on Instagram and I couldn't remember how I got there. So that's enough. Gone. Deleted. That's addiction. We don't want to be addicted to our phones. We don't want to be addicted to the media and the devices that consume us, but we are. And so often we're so consumed with what's here. You see it driving down the street. You go into any restaurant today, go into any coffee shop today, go into any shop today, and you will see people with kids walking alongside them and their heads are buried in their phones. You'll see it everywhere. And you probably do it as well. It's time for us to stop it. And worse, we're proliferating this in our kids. To a much higher degree, and this really concerns me. Because devices are parenting kids. Now, I'm not against devices. My kids both have a device. And we, we let them have up to an hour a day on it, on the device. But please... Don't let a device parent your kids. It seems like now it's the easy way out. Oh, just give them the device. We're out for a meal, just give them a device. Oh, they're kicking off, just give them a device. Oh, we're tired after work, just give them a device. And I understand, I understand the pain of this and I understand the ease of this, but it's wrong. Just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. And we're creating kids that are addicted to, to devices. We're creating children that I know people at Judah's age who is six years old and Willow's age who is four years old who are spending entire evenings on devices who can't go out for a meal without being on a device. Is there any wonder that kids can't talk to people anymore? Is there any wonder why kids don't have attention spans anymore? Is there any wonder why you go out for meals and you see... Teenagers on the, on the headphones, because that's how they have been taught. Yeah, and then parents are like, why don't they want to talk to us? Because they can't. They don't know how to. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry if this hits close to home, and I hope it does in many ways. But we've got to stop it. Devices cannot parent our children. We need to make sure that our devices aren't par uh, parenting our kids. Please don't waste their childhood and ruin their development by having them on a device the whole time just because it makes our lives easy. Parent isn't meant to be easy, just so you know. Like anything in life that's worthwhile, it's challenging, it's tiring, it's hard, but it's so rewarding. You know, our children... They are not our right. Yeah. 
They are not there just for our enjoyment. They are there for us to steward, to raise wisely, to train in the way of the Lord. This is a responsibility. Let's not delegate that responsibility to the internet. We need to be the loudest voices in our kids' lives. We have to be the loudest voices in our kids' lives. There is a million different things on the internet. And if we're teaching our kids to go to the internet first, then what are we teaching them for adulthood? We know what's on there. And we might be able to protect what they watch now. You won't be able to in 10 years' time. Because they'll be too old for that. We need to be the loudest voices in our lives in their lives, which brings me to my next point, that we have to speak the best over our kids and of our kids. Psalm 127 verse 4, are you with me still? Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. See, the language of the world when it comes to kids is that they're hard work, that they stop you doing stuff, that they take from your life, that they cost a lot, and some of those things might be true sometimes. But I hear so many people moan about their kids. They can't do this because of the kids. They can't do that because of the kids. They're forever trying to palm the kids off on someone because they want to do this or that. I even heard, I've heard people talk about the kids as the devil. (laughs) You probably heard that before. I've heard people talk about the kids as a nightmare. Someone the other day was saying that they can't wait till the kids are grown up so that they can um, go on this uh, special holiday, that they can go go to these certain restaurants. You don't know what you're asking for. And when these kids grow up, parents wonder why their kids don't want to spend time with them. Is there any wonder? Please, never talk about your kids or our kids in Arena Church like this. We know that they can be messy. We know that it can be hard work at times. We know that it can be naughty. But let's not talk ill of our kids. Let's talk great things over our kids. Sometimes out here, for all of us, it can be hard. You know, the kids are running around. They're chucking pool balls everywhere. They're hiding under the chairs. They're doing all sorts of stuff. But I am glad we are a church with lots of kids. I'm glad we're a church that champions kids and wants to invest in kids and wants to raise kids well. Children are not a drain. They are a heritage from the Lord. Jesus said himself, he says, basically he gave a rebuke to the disciples. He said, look, these kids in them is the kingdom of God. He's saying, look, you've got a lot to learn from kids. And if you let kids, they'll show you how to have faith. They'll show you how to be humble. They'll show you how to depend because we're not that good at depending on God. They'll show us how to have fun, how to be free, how to be secure. I love how secure kids are. They'll just dance, they'll just do silly stuff, unaware. And most of us, we want to look like we've got it two together to, to really enjoy ourselves. Is that true? They'll show us how to be free. Hmm. The reason I want to spend time now with my parents as an adult is because they always wanted to spend time with me. 
They always spake, spoke well of me. They always lifted me up. That's why I want to spend time with them now. Why wouldn't I? So make sure we speak the best of our kids. But also, we need to make sure we speak the best over our kids. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Please don't let familiarity breed contempt over this. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's powerful. It's time for us as the people of God to speak great things over our kids. To speak greatness over them. To call greatness out of them. To call bigness out of them. Come on, Arena. Let's speak powerful words of life over our kids. Someone once said, if you don't tell your kids who they are, someone else will. It's time to tell our kids who they are. It's time to tell them they are a champion. It's time to tell them that they are loved by God. It's time to tell them that they can have freedom in Christ. We need to speak God's goodness over our kids. We need to speak God's purpose over our kids. We need to speak God's bigness over our kids. We need to let them know that they are more than conquerors through Christ. We need to let them know that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. We need to let them know that they are loved by you and by God. We need to let them know that they don't get their identity from what a boy or girl thinks about them or how they look or how good they are at school, but they get their identity from a God who loves them, who died for them and who created them in their mother's womb. We need to speak great words over our kids. Let us be people who speak the word of God over our kids. And it brings me to my next point that we need to be an example and we need to be authentic. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, Train a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Our responsibility as parents is to train our children in the way they should go. It doesn't say control your children. It's almost that the language of it is like, it's a free in nature actually. It's like train them and let them crack on. Train them in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So because I was with David, I, I thought, how could I not ask a great father about this message, like I said. And um, he said, he's given me a few bits, but one of the things he said is this, be authentic. And David, David Sherman's dad, E.J. Sherman, anyone know of or heard? Yeah, yeah, a few, yeah, yeah. His dad, E.J. Sherman, he was a famous preacher, well-known preacher and stuff, raised a great family, trained two great men of God who are still serving God in old age. He said, someone once asked my dad this question, and he told them to be authentic, make life easy for them. He said, it doesn't have to be a 30-minute message before each dinner, because sometimes we can feel that that's what everyone has, we have to do. Is that right? His parents, oh, I have to do this 30 minutes, I have to do this, I have to... He says, no, say grace together and make the will of God exciting to them. That's what he said. Each day before dinner, he said, we said grace together. And he said, my dad modeled 
alive to me. I wonder how many of us make the will of God exciting for our kids. Do your kids think that church is the best place to be on a Sunday? Do they believe that the will of God is the best for their life? The most exciting? If not, maybe it's time to ask that if that, that, if that is what we are modelling. And I know there are great parents who have modelled this, whose children have walked away for a time. But it's a question we need to ask ourselves. Is the will of God thrilling to them? Have we demonstrated a high value for his church? Have we modelled a high value for his word? Have we modelled a high value for prayer? Please, I don't want anyone to be condemned today, but we must be an example. How can we complain that our kids don't want to come to church when we've treated the gathering with contempt? I have a high value for the house of God because my parents had a high value for the house of God. We never missed church if the weather was good or if there was something better to do. The church was the best place you could be. I have a high value for time with God because my mum modelled it to me. I have a high value for integrity because my dad demonstrated it. In Romans we see, it says this, that God demonstrated his love for us. Love is always demonstrated. Love is always demonstrated. If someone just wants to tell you how much they love you but act a different way, that's not love. And too much of our Christianity has been lip service. We've spoken great words, but they have no weight because we don't live lives that line up with the words we speak. And kids, more than anyone, they see through hypocrisy. Let's preach less and be more of an example. Are you still with me? Discipline. Discipline. Proverbs 13. I want to say this. I could probably do four weeks on this subject, so I'm going to try and race through what I've got left. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says this, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. One of the verses we all love to quote is Psalm 23, and it says, your rod and your staff, it comforts me. Well, the way the shepherd used to comfort the sheep was by taking his staff and smashing the sheep on the side to get it back on the right road. Discipline. We're living in a world at the moment that does not like to be disciplined. When I was a kid at school, if I got told off at school, I was scared to go home because I knew I was going to get another telling off at home. Mum and dad would be like, oh, have you had a good day at school? Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I, would be, I was like, me and my teacher, we've dealt with it in our hearts. <laughs> we, we've, we've settled this matter together. <laughs> it's settled in heaven, it's settled in my heart. I've repented. But I knew that if I'd been told off at school and it got back to my mum and dad, I was going to get another telling off at home because I'd been naughty. I needed it. Today, it's a disgrace. Kids get told off at school, go home and tell the parents, and then the parents come back in the next day to tell the, the yeah. teachers that they're wrong. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I understand that there's been a, an abuse over time. There's been abuse, yeah? 
we can... There's been abuse, there's been all kinds of crazy stuff, and I don't want us to go back to a day where, you know, people are getting hit with stuff in classrooms. But there needs to be a balance. The balance is crazy. It's gone the other way. Come on, I, I, I know you love your kids, and I know your kids are great, I love my kids, but they are not always right, just like you're not. But we don't want to be disciplined, we don't want to be told that what we have done is wrong, even when it is. And Proverbs, the man who, as people of God, we believe is outside of Jesus, the most wise, who wrote this is the most wise in history, says that whoever spares the rod, discipline, hates their children. Cool. Wow. A parent's discipline should never be out of anger. It's always out of love. A love to develop. A love to train. A love to shape. A love to raise. A love for them to succeed. We have to discipline our kids. So that they will be rounded. So that they can grow up successful. So that they realise throughout life. There are times even today where I need someone to say, Josh, on that, I think you were wrong. I think you acted wrong in that way. I think you're out of whack that day. And that's right. I need people in my life, fathers, whether it be natural or spiritual, and mothers, to speak into my life. Now, I don't know where you land on smacking because obviously this talks about that, essentially. And me and Helen use this very rarely, this tool very, very rarely. But we, we use it. And this is not, you know, it's a glorified tap, you know, Please don't start going away. Josh is saying this and that. It's a glorified tap. But there are times for our kids over the years, and it's very, very infrequent because it's the highest level of escalation for us, that they need that. I've had it in my life. I know lots of people have had it in their lives, and they need it. Please, we are not helping our children if we don't discipline them. For Helen and I, very practically, it works pretty much like this. If the, kids don't, if the kids do something naughty, they have to say sorry. If they don't want to say sorry, then we're going to take something from them. If they keep doing it again, we're going to take the device from them. If they do something not very nice to their, their uh, brother or sister or whatever that's really not great, we'll put them on the stair. If it's, if it's even worse than that, we'll put them on the bed. And if, if it's really, really bad, then we'll give them a tap on the bum. But we've not done that. For, we were talking about it this morning, weren't we? We've not done that for a long time because we've not had to, and that's the way discipline works. It's healthy. It's good. Don't let the narrative of the world stop you disciplining your kids. The devil doesn't want disciplined kids. Is there any wonder that society is so unresilient at the moment? Because we're telling kids that everything that they do is great, that they're never wrong, that they never get it wrong. Kids are wrong. Kids get it wrong. And if we love our children, we have to discipline them. Please don't let your kids run off. Just bec- and again, this is like the, comes back to the whole devising and stuff. It can be so, 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 so easy to just leave it because it's easy. I want to tell you, though, like the Bible says, that is very bad parenting. Don't leave it because it's easy. We have to discipline our kids. The next thing is that we need to soak our kids 
in prayer. My life has been saturated in prayer by my parents and grandparents. I've told this many times, but every morning and night, without fail, while I lived with my parents, my mum and dad, they would come and pray a blessing over me. And now I get to do this for my kids. I'm not sure I've missed doing this more than five times while I've been in the house, while the kids have been alive. Maybe when I've been ill, that's maybe when I've missed it. The Apostle Paul says in his opening to the Colossians, he says that we always pray for you. Remember that Paul is in this role as a spiritual father. So spiritual fathers and mothers, can we always pray for our kids? Can we pray for those who are growing up in the church? Can we pray for those who are coming through the church? Let's soak our kids in prayer. Let's speak God's bigness over them. Let's speak God's strength. Let's speak faith. Let's speak salvation. Let's speak health and prosperity, God's goodness. Speak identity over them. Be boring how predictable you are. We must always pray for our next generation. It's so important. Another thing that David said to me was that the best gift you can give your kids is to love their mother. And he said it as he started to tear up in his way. The best gift you can give your kids is to love their mother. And Helen spoke last week, and she spoke so good. And she spoke so well about womanhood, and she spoke about the man's role in the family, and I, I thought it was, it was excellent. But guys, this only works if you love your wife. And the standard for a husband is high, because Jesus said this, love your life, uh, wife the way Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He laid down his life for the church. Men, it's time to lay our lives down for our wives. Show them what it means to live in that environment, in that love. Hmm. So I'm done. But right at the end of this message, I want to pray for parents. I want to pray for kids. I also want to pray for spiritual parents. Let us always remember that our children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a gift. They are such a great gift. And they are a great responsibility. Just one more thing, actually, just as I think. One of the biggest areas we can get caught up as parents is anxiety and fear. Parents, is that correct? I have never been anxious or fearful in my entire life until I had kids. I can, I can remember it to this day. Helen, can you remember when we brought Judah home? The f and I was waking up in the middle of the night. I was listening to see if he was breathing. I was scared. Because it's, it's different, isn't it? It's a different love. It's a different feel. It's like, you know, you've got the love with your wife. You've got love with family. But, like, when it's your kids, it's like, it's not there, it's like here, somewhere like really deep. And it's a love like that can really hurt. And it's a love that is so precious and special. But it's also a love that if we're not careful can make us really anxious and fearful. Philippians 4 says this, don't be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if you get anxious or fearful about your kids, and I know, I know from hearing this goes until your kids are a million and one. Let's bring those requests to God and let's allow the peace of God to fill our hearts because what we can do if we're not careful, we can cast our anxieties not onto Jesus but onto them and we make them anxious and we make them scared and we make them not want to step into all they've got for their life because we've placed our anxieties not on Jesus, on them. Let's not put our anxieties onto our kids like the Bible says Let's cast our anxieties onto Jesus. Let's cast our burdens onto Jesus. Because he's, he's able. I did it this morning. I did it this morning in his presence. And I was literally, I felt like I was casting my anxieties on my fear and the stuff that's not going right onto him. I give it him because he is well able to take care of you and your kids. He's in control. So God, we are so thankful for our kids. Whether it be physical, natural, whether it be spiritual, we are so thankful for our kids. Thank you that you have given us a house full of kids in this church, Lord. I can remember, Lord, when we... Back in 2019, when Helen and I first got here, we were worried because our kids were pretty much the only kids here. And you have done an amazing work. And we pray you'd continue to do that. Father, I pray for parents today, natural parents today. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the tools by the power of your Holy Spirit to be godly parents. That they would love their children well. That they would discipline their children well. That they would not be anxious but they would be peaceful, God. Or that they would create healthy homes, homes where they can thrive, where they, they love each other, where they um, bring each other to more, where they intentionally seek to train their children. Lord, I pray for spiritual mums and dads. I pray as well, Lord, where there are people here with heartache regarding maybe not being, being, being able to have kids or, or whether it's regarding losing children, I pray, God, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would just fall. That your shalom, your completeness, your healing, your wholeness, your peace would fill their hearts. God, I pray for spiritual mums and dads to raise up across Arena Church. Across this room, people who will invest in the next generation, people who will impart, God, we need impartation in the next generations, please, Lord. Lord, I pray for the spirit of prayer that resides in some of our older people in this church to go through this church, I pray. I pray it would cascade down through the age groups, right through to our young children, God. Lord, I pray that we would be like the Apostle Paul who always prays, who prays continually for our kids and for our children, for our young people, for the next generation. God, we do not want to be like Judges 2.10. 
Lord, we don't want to raise a generation that doesn't know you or know any of the stories about you. We want to raise a generation that goes from strength to strength. So I pray by the power of your spirit, you would help us do that in your mighty name we pray.